of life's biggest moments happened by pure chance. One event in the chain that if you removed it could change the tale entirely. The butterfly effect. And it's a crazy concept, but it's all too real if you stop and think about it. Well, in 1996, a 425-pound student enrolled at Indiana University. That guy was Jared Fogel. His butterfly effect moment came when the school assigned him a dorm room. He could hardly make it across campus, and all that excess weight was bound to kill him. By 1998, he knew he had to make a change. His dorm room shared a wall with a local Subway sandwich restaurant, so he walked 10 steps twice a day to enjoy two fresh sandwiches. He lost 245 pounds over the next 11 months. Inspired by his journey, the restaurant called up to corporate because they wanted to tell this guy's story. And if they did it right, they'd become filthy freaking rich. So all they really did was platform a man with sick and twisted cravings far beyond junk food and poor exercise habits. To their credit, in 1999, they didn't know what they were signing up for. At least, not yet. Hey, I'm Amy. You're watching True Crime Recaps. Thanks for that. So Jared Fogel's first Subway ad rang in the new millennium. It aired on January 1st, 2000. Over the next 15 years, he filmed over 300 Subway spots just like this one. Here is Jared Fogel. You may have seen him on the news or a talk show. He was inspired by Subway's great tasting sandwiches. Jared believes in an active lifestyle, including lots of walking. At the heart of Jared's routine are Subway sandwiches. Hey, Jared. Hey, guys. At Subway, you can choose from seven sandwiches with six grams of fat or less, and they all taste great. Food for thought. Subway, it's the way a sandwich should be. This program is brought to you by Subway, the way a sandwich should be. And just like that, he became a familiar spokesperson for weight loss and childhood obesity. They called it the Subway diet. But he harbored a dark secret that Subway may or may not have known about. Then in 2011, while speaking in Sarasota, Florida, he sat down with a reporter and a radio host named Rochelle Herman Walren. At the time, Jared was the hottest name in the country, so getting him on her show must have felt like a real honor. And Jared took a liking to Rochelle. He saw her as a friend, someone he could trust. And for some reason, he talked about how he found middle school-aged girls attractive. His comments triggered more than a few red flags for Rochelle. But she's a professional. Jared was a celebrity. Confronting him then and there wouldn't go over well. His PR team would likely squash the story. It was the word of this nobody journalist against a national icon. It's freaking Subway Jared. But she filed a complaint through the Subway website anyway, and it went nowhere. So she went straight to the FBI, and they were interested. She wore a wire for almost five years, recorded everything he said, every lewd conversation, and there were plenty. Phone calls, text messages, emails, everything. She had two kids of her own, and she thought about how a guy like Jared might try to weasel his way into her family, and then he did. In one conversation, he suggested that she install hidden cameras in her kids' bedrooms, and then he'd leave it up to her regarding which child he'd get to watch. While Rochelle gathered a mountain of evidence against him, Jared was free to stalk the country, preying on underage children, never dreaming that his twisted secret life was about to be exposed. 
After all, he'd gotten away with it for years. The first complaint allegedly came in 2004. The source claimed Jared solicited a young girl during a promotional event at a Las Vegas subway. The complaint, allegedly, landed on the senior VP of marketing's desk, who apparently swept it under the rug. Instead, the company sent a PR manager to speak with Jared and the restaurant owner about the incident, but nobody ever contacted the victim. That same year, Jared launched the Jared Foundation, a nonprofit focused on raising awareness about childhood obesity. The man at the head of the foundation was Russell Taylor, Jared's business partner and best friend. For now, I'll just say that the two were close in every aspect of their professional and personal lives. Four years later, in 2008, a Subway franchisee from Florida says she contacted the company with more serious allegations against Jared. Cindy Mills, she ran her Subway from 2006 to 2012 in Pensacola, Florida. She met Jared at a work thing, and the two exchanged phone numbers. And then he called her almost daily, making disturbing and disgusting comments about underage children. He suggested, get this, that Cindy prostitute herself on Craigslist to make some extra cash. And he admitted to having sex with minors. It's hard to understand why he was so open about his pedophilia, especially when it came to women in Florida. He'd call Cindy in Pensacola to spill his twisted thoughts, and then he'd hang up and see what Rochelle in Sarasota thought about the same thing. Cindy sat down for two interviews with Business Insider to talk about Jared. She insisted on remaining anonymous for the first interview, and rightfully so. She was scared to death. She didn't want any more press attention at the time. But once the news broke, she felt comfortable going into more detail and using her real name. So according to her lawyer, Robert Beasley, she told Subway everything she knew about Jared but the company shooed her away. Now, Subway does deny having any record of Cindy's complaints. Her lawyer dug into what legal action they could take against Subway, but all he found were more corporate roadblocks. Now, here is where it gets a little shady. According to Robert, Cindy didn't have a case against Subway because Jared didn't work for them. He was technically employed by the Subway Franchisee Advertising Fund Trust. The company was in charge of Subway's global marketing, and even though they shared the same business address as the company's corporate HQ, the trust was, legally speaking, a separate entity. Now, despite the complaints about Jared's behavior, Subway put together two nationwide promo tours in 2004 and 2008. The first was Jared's school tour. That had him going from school to school, talking about the dangers of childhood obesity. In 2008, he set off on the Tour de Pants, where he once again went from school to school, showing off his world-famous jeans, you know, the pair he used to wear when he was 425 pounds. So to Cindy Mills' legal team, it appeared that Subway isolated itself from Jared's acts. The disconnect left her without a legal leg to stand on, and facing defeat, she played her final card and told the then-CEO of the trust about Jared's lewd behavior. His alleged response? Please don't tell me anymore. Jared's already met someone, a teacher he loves very much. We think she'll keep him grounded. Really? That teacher was Katie McLaughlin. The two married in 2010, and as far as she knew, Everything was great, fine. She had no idea about the accusations surrounding her new husband. They had two children together and lived a cushy life in the upscale Indianapolis suburbs. Her husband was a celebrity. He seemed like a good guy. Their children were set for life. 
What more could a loving wife want? She found out about his sick and twisted world when the FBI raided their Indianapolis home in July 2015. So was the raid the result of Rochelle's recordings? Well, sort of. So here's where this story gets even wilder. Technically, Rochelle's recordings weren't backed by a search warrant, and they may have been sort of in a gray area between a private conversation and wiretapping. Florida has a two-party consent law regarding when you can and can't record private conversations. That means all parties must consent to be recorded or you could be criminally charged. However, federal law states that you can record conversations as long as you're an active participant. But at the end of the day, Rochelle's recordings were enough to put Jared on the FBI's radar, but they still needed a smoking gun to arrest him. And they found it when they arrested Russell Taylor. Remember him? Jared's good buddy running the Jared Foundation? Well... Hold on to your hair, because this is how Jared from Subway got caught. It was a tip from one of Russell's friends. We'll call her Jane Doe. So Jane and her husband grew close to Russell and his wife, Angela. Sadly, Jane's husband passed away in 2013, leaving her alone to handle Russell and Angela's odd behavior. Things went from weird to worse in 2014 when the couple's flirty text messages to her started crossing all sorts of lines. Eventually, it got to the point where Russell offered to send her images of children being sexually abused. And then he asked if he and another woman could use her house to engage in bestiality. She was like, um, no, please. From there, he stopped asking permission and just sent her pictures of the child abuse. And the Indianapolis Cybercrime Unit launched its first investigation in 2015. They kicked in Russell's door shortly after. They found over 400 disturbing videos while searching his home, including secret recordings of girls as young as nine in his bathroom and bedroom. Now, many of them were family members. He admitted he used hidden cameras disguised as clocks, clocks, to capture the footage. Videos that they shared with Jared. Turned out that they shared a lot of things. That relationship got weird. He claimed Jared insisted he call him daddy. As in, who's paying for this? You are daddy. On July 7th, the FBI raided daddy's house and led him away to jail. Now, later that day, Subway dropped him like a ton of bricks, saying they mutually agreed to suspend their relationship. They scrubbed him from their website. They pulled all Jared-related promo material. The man that contributed to almost half their company growth between 1998 and 2011 was nothing more than a rumor who never existed. Like, Kaiser Sose. By August of 2015, the FBI had him dead to rights. Instead of fighting his case, he took a plea agreement. He pleaded guilty to two counts, one for child sex images and one for crossing state lines to abuse a minor. And he agreed to pay $1.4 million in restitution, 100000 each to his 14 victims. The alternative was 50 years in jail. On August 18th, moments after the plea deal went public, Subway tweeted, we no longer have a relationship with Jared and have no further comment. Mm-hmm. Jared sat in a courtroom for the next three months, recanting all the abhorrent things he'd done to children over the years. He said he always meant to live an honorable life before getting caught up in the deception, lies, and complete self-centeredness. But despite his own admissions, a psychiatrist for his defense team tried to downplay his condition, saying he had mild or weak pedophilia, just just a little bit twisted. As another clinical psychologist pointed out, we're not talking about a man who just downloaded and shared these sick images. I mean, that's bad enough, but he acted on his urges. 
The words mild and weak should be nowhere near a guy like Jared Fogle. In the end, he got 15 years and eight months in prison. He's not getting out until at least March of 2029. Russell Taylor was sentenced to 27 years because he testified against Jared and his own wife, well, former wife by then, Angela Baldwin. She got 33 years. Meanwhile, Rochelle stayed in Florida, sitting on five years worth of nightmarish recordings. She's the hero who sparked the FBI's initial investigation and went through hell and back to record him saying some of the most disgusting things that you can think of. And she never understood why Jared trusted her, but the conversations got more graphic as the years went on. Her recordings came to be known as the Jared tapes and Lordy, he did not hold back. He talks about grooming kids, grooming their families, his turn-ons, boys, girls. He didn't limit himself. As for his wife, Katie, well, she divorced him immediately. Then she sued Subway, mainly alleging that they used her and her children's image and likeness without their permission. But she also made several eye-opening accusations regarding what the sandwich shop knew and didn't know about her former husband's behavior. A judge ultimately dismissed it, citing a lack of justification. She got out of that marriage with about $7 million and zero trust in people. So where is Jared now? Well, he's in a federal prison in Colorado, but he's not going quietly. In the fall of 2021, he spoke up for the first time since he was busted. According to the New York Post, he admits he royally screwed up, his words, not ours. And he quoted Shawshank Redemption. You know, the line that goes, you can either get busy living or get busy dying. Well, Jared is busy living. Hopefully his many victims can say the same. And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you never miss a story. But don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time, take care.